Welcome to another episode of Fresh Brewed Politics. I'm your host, Andrew Cooperwriter, and we've got some topics to cover for you today for sure. I have on my uh, Hell No Sleepy Joe shirt. You can get that at broodco.com, as well as all your other coffee needs and desires as far as that goes. Um, I also have, if you notice behind me, a nice addition in the room here, a wooden brood sign. If you're watching this uh, live, that was a wonderful gift given to us um, by a, a, a big fan, a big fan of ours, and uh, that was Dodge's Wood and Iron. Dodge's Wood and Iron made that sign. Go get yourself one at Dodge's Wooden Iron. He's got a Facebook page. You should go there. If you're watching this on replay, as always, you can watch this as a podcast on Apple and uh, the Spotify's and all other major podcasting uh, platforms as far as that goes as well. Um, if you are watching this live, please hit that share button. If you're on Facebook, hit the share button. It's a simple thing you can simply do to help spread the message. We all know that Facebook has been limiting our distribution. So when you hit that share button, you're really helping us out. And if you're on YouTube, well, share the link with somebody. I don't know what to tell you, but we've got a couple topics to cover today. We're going to talk about Bashir's $1,500 unemployment bribe. We're going to talk about Biden uh, wanting to nuke America. We'll go over, show you what he said, kind of break it down. Um, Ikea's racist in Atlanta, no surprise there, and pension plans for the teachers here in Kentucky. So we'll be breaking all that down, but please, guys, as one small reminder, hit that share button. Let's get into it. So Bashir is doing a $1,500 uh, bribe for you to go do the right thing, return to work. Um, you know, of course, this isn't going to anybody who's worked all through the pandemic. You're not getting anything. Nope. This is to go ahead and give that bribe to get people back to work. It goes to the first 15,000 people that get employed before July 30th. Now, um, let's, let's just talk about that right there. Let's stop right there. The first 15,000 people of July 30th. How do you know? Like, how? what is your process here, okay? what? How are you going to know that I was number one or number 15,000? Like, are you going to go get a, a some sort of uh, document that states that I was uh, employed at this date, so I gotta go to my employer and get my employer to say when they hired me and how many hours and a signed statement? Do I turn in paycheck stubs? What? What is the actual process for figuring out who's going to be that first 15,000? That's, that's my first question. And considering that that's a question that hasn't yet been answered by anybody, what I have to then wonder is, does he even plan on limiting it to 15,000? And now let's go to the next issue. The guy can't even get out unemployment to most people. Heck, he's having a, a big problem uh, being able to even get money out from the uh, you know, when he's offering that restaurant program, there's issue getting that money out. There's, there's been issues all along of the government even getting out any of these COVID reliefs anyways, other than the IRS direct payments. So with that in mind, you know, when it goes to this whole, we're going to cut you in, we're going to get you $15,000 here, or I'm sorry, $1,500 for going back. You know, the, how's it, how are you even going to get it? You can't rely on him to get that money to you. You can't, 
fix his unemployment system. So how's he going to get, he's not going to get that to you. So that's not much of a incentive as well to go back. And on top of that, he's going till July 30th. Now what's, what he's saying is when he sits there and he says, Hey, I'm going to give you a $1,500 bribe <clears throat> to go back. What he's admitting to is that there are able bodied people in Kentucky that would go back to work if they weren't getting that extra $300 a week. That is what he's saying. Now, what's even funnier about that is if that's the issue. So if he's acknowledging, which I think he is, acknowledging that, that $300 a week is what's causing to be the problem, that there's, there's, there's issues galore going on and that $300 a week is causing people to remain on unemployment when they should be going back to work, then the most logical thing to do would be to just cut the $300 um, or, you know, and, and we're going to go into cutting the $300, but at least taking a look at it. But instead, he's going to spend $22.5 million of taxpayer money trying to get people to go back to work who apparently have no reason to not go back to work. I mean, I'd love to know what the conversation was. Like, what's the conversation around that policymaking table that says, why, why do we need to pay people to go back to work? Like, is he saying, well, this money is going to help pay for child care to get them back to work? I don't, I don't think he is saying that. I don't, I don't understand. It's a one-time $1,500 bribe to get you to go back. What is, what is it paying for? What is the thought process here? What are the additional expenses that people are incurring that stop them from going back to work? Well, let's be honest. It is really about the fact that this $500 or $300 uh, um, extra money is, is significant. And, you know, I was talking about this. So we're going to first talk about people that are staying on unemployment that can go back to work, okay? And then I'm going to talk about there are situations that can't, which is why I think he's leaving it in there is, is to do with the union issues and things like that. So we'll talk about that here in a second. But let's just take the people who aren't going back to work. This is a simple uh, um, human decision-making process. So follow me here. So let's say I was making um, $1,000 a week before uh, COVID, okay? And I'm going to say 1000 So if you go on uh, Kentucky's unemployment page and you do their calculations or calculator, if you're making 1000 a week, your normal amount of money you would receive before you would start getting um, the normal amount of money, I'm sorry, you would receive for that would be about 532, so $532, um, but you know, or rate it, rate it about 550. So if you now kick in that 300, now I'm making 850 a week. I'm making only 150 less than I was working. And they say, well, you know, employers just need to pay them more. Well, here, this becomes the issue with employers just paying them more. If I had to pay you $1,000 a week to get you off your couch and come work in the first place, and now you're making $850, I now have to pay you $1,850 a week to get you back off the couch. Otherwise, it's not worth it. Why would you get off the couch to only make an extra two, three, four hundred bucks? than a week if you're used to making a thousand a week you're used to your time right being valued at around 20 what is that 25 an hour 
So you want me to get off the couch, but this person's only make, paying me more than, you know, $300 more a week than what I'm making on unemployment. That is less than $10 an hour that I'm valuing my time at. It's not worth it. So when people are like, oh, just pay them more, you're not asking employers to pay just a couple of bucks. You're asking employers to almost double what they were paying people before. And then, oh, meanwhile, stick with the same amount of production. Oh, meanwhile, uh, you got to raise your prices because your, your raw materials costs are going up. Oh, and meanwhile, you got to keep in those customers so you can afford to keep customers to pay these people. It just doesn't work that way. So he's bribing people with this $1,500. Now, he won't take away the 300 statewide because he's got an issue going on with the unions. You know, remember, you've got the Ford plant as well as uh, the, the plants that support them that are on layoffs because they can't get the, uh, the thing. What is the thing? The semiconductors. The semiconductors. They can't get the semiconductors. And so because they can't get the semiconductors, they're laid off right now. They're, they're laid off. And so the, the, the unions, I believe, have gone to Bashir and said, listen, keep this and the auto manufacturers keep this 300 in place because this is why the unions aren't killing us real hard for having uh, um laid people off as much as we had because they're getting that extra 300 bucks so it helps out so he's leaving it in there and there's other places that are feeling the effects from that right and especially too if you go into these rural communities that only have so many employers you've got covid that maybe has lost employers that haven't come back into these smaller communities or rural communities. And you also have, then these shutdowns are going on right now due to the semiconductors. So you have places like Lexington that have more jobs than uh, um, people, that, that have more jobs than they do people. And so you can more than handle people coming off the unemployment extra here because there's plenty of jobs available, but then you have other people that have lost their jobs due to COVID now, because remember the semiconductor shortage is due to the government overreaction shutdowns, or if they've lost their employers, it's due to the government as far as that goes. So, so they are currently feeling the effects still from COVID that that's what that money is supposed to be for. Right. And so that's where I had said yesterday on our Facebook, but I still hold true to this, that we need to have looked at this on a county by county basis. I mean, it's not as if the counties have some sort of system set up where you have, you know, I don't know what's called the magistrates that then meet with like a judge executive that then has public meetings where the public of the county could show up and voice their opinions on whether or not the $300 should be ended or shouldn't be ended. It's not as if that's already in place. And then Bashir could just simply say, you tell me 120 counties you've got over the next month, you guys have your meetings. You decide if you want to keep the 300 going or not. If you want to keep it going, I'll, I'll leave it on for your zip code. If you want to get rid of it, I'm going to end it sooner. That would be a simple, a very simple way to handle this where you're giving the power back to the locales to decide how they need it. Because once again, you got people like Louisville, Lexington, plenty of jobs. Then you got other areas that don't have plenty of jobs. 
And I think that from that are still reeling from the pandemic. And I think that is worth it. I think as well, too, we as individuals um, need to understand that everybody's coming from a different place on that. So don't, as you're attacking Bashir for the 1500 and you're attacking the far number of people that are clearly affecting our economy, that are staying on unemployment, they're not supposed to, like, like I say, clearly Bashir believes that or he wouldn't be offering the 1500 Make sure you're not attacking those that are benefiting from it, that need it because of COVID still, because either one, their employers left their communities and or they're laid off from the semiconductor shortage. Though I will say to those of you who've employers have left your communities and you're reeling, use this money and use this time to start thinking about perhaps moving. And I know that's super not okay to say. I know a lot of people are like, I can't just move away from my family and everything else. I hear you on that. But at the same time, what is your plan? Unless employers come back into your area, you need eventually to get a job and it's your personal decision to stay there. And you can't expect the taxpayers to keep paying you for your personal decisions. And so I, I do want to say to those individuals, you know, you might want to consider your options and that's just me being honest. And, and if you want to stay there and, and take a lower paying jobs or what have you, that's your personal decisions, right? And I hear people say that all the time too about Lexington people saying, well, what about the individuals who made more than the jobs out there are offering, but their jobs gone away? Well, they need to make a personal decision. Once again, those are all personal choices and you can't continue to ask your government to pay for personal choices forever. And what I mean by that is it's your choice to continue to hold out and waiting for that person to come in. Now the government has wrongfully taken your job from you. So I don't mind you getting paid that extra in the process and making that adjustment. You just, you, you should probably be owed that due to the fifth amendment takings clause. I just think you should begin to prepare yourself for that. That's, that's all. So, um, but that's him doing that. And so that is the $1,500 and the unemployment, but it, it, it goes deeper. I mean, this is government constantly messing everything up and then claiming they need more money from you, the taxpayer, to fix it. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you the perfect example here. So Eastern Kentucky, we all talk about all the time. And, and here in Kentucky, about how Eastern Kentucky struggles economically. Well, do you know why they struggle? Does anybody want to take a guess why they struggle? I'm going to tell you why they struggle. They struggle because of government. Follow me here. Back during the 1990s, a senator from Wyoming, uh, Bukakis, proposed a addition to the Clean Air Act in the 1990, 1990s Clean, Clean Air Act that would say that you, if you were, uh, um, coal had to have X amount of quote unquote dirty coal, you had to have scrubbers and plants, or you could burn what was clean coal. So they had, I believe is, you know, less, I'm not a coal expert, but they have less, I think carbon in it. So it's the amount of like carbon in the Kentucky coal is higher than, um, is, is considered, makes it considered dirty coal. And then when you go to Wyoming, uh, on the other hand, they had clean coal. So Bukakis proposes this clean air act amendment and, um, in the 1990s that then f shifted Kentucky's coal mining jobs out to Wyoming. Which, by the way, Mitch McConnell voted for, knowing what it did. And of course, Bukakis was, his state was the victor from dealing with that. Well, keeping that in mind, um, then they say, well, you know, we're kind of economically really damaging this one area of Kentucky. So what we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to offer them the coal severance money, right? And so they offer up this money to help Eastern Kentucky come 
off of the coal that they were relying on that got taken away from them by Bukakis's bill in the 1990s. And, and what happens? Well, the Democrats of Kentucky then misspend that money on things like Little League jerseys or I, I, I believe Rump Arena scoreboard was paid for out of coal severance money because, you know, Lexington was really hurting from all those coal jobs they no longer had. I, I, I don't, I never knew that Lexington had a coal mine, but apparently they needed that coal severance money. And so Rump Arena got scoreboard paid for with it, I believe. And, and, and just a really a misuse and mismanagement of it. So now we need to spend more of your taxpayer dollars on getting broadband out there and, and other connectivity or somehow connecting them up. And meanwhile, it's government regulation that caused it to be an issue in the first place and continues to make it an issue. I mean, could you imagine what Eastern Kentucky could do if like hemp wasn't, was legalized, like in the sense of, you know, you could grow hemp, not even weed being legalized, marijuana, the kind you smoke to get high, but just hemp, letting people grow hemp fully. Cause right now we've got this whole thing with Delta eight and everything else go going on with this, um, uh, hemp industry right now, I, I believe, um, there's, there's some talks of maybe a lawsuit against the Kentucky department of agriculture, uh, because you know, whatever, but the government regulation still continues that strangles out opportunities. You could have a, a, a pretty good, especially if we was legalized, uh, industries there in Eastern Kentucky, um, that could definitely generate some revenues as far as it goes. I mean, you could also continue to invest and in encouraging them, uh, places to invest if you'd bothered to do some of the basic things with that coal severance money to encourage people to come out. But you know, government hasn't done it and they're going to require you to give them more money to continue to fix their problems, which is why the solution to government is never more government. So moving on to Joe Biden wanting to nuke America. Let's go ahead. Let's play for you guys what he said about that. Today Playing it, it here. Oh, oh, Limited okay. the type of people could own a gun. Hit the what play. type of weapon you could own. You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the, the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. The point is that there's always been the ability to limit, rationally limit the type of weapon that can be owned and who can own it. I understand what he just said there was he was saying that the U.S. government would be willing to drop nukes and bomb America, Americans, in a revolution-type situation. Okay, now, now follow me here. What he said was, in order to take on the government, you would need nukes and airplanes. Now, the only reason why I would need nukes and airplanes to take on my government is if that government was going to use nukes and airplanes against me in the first place. I mean, one of the reasons why, one of the beliefs, and this argument happens all the time, this is, and it's so weird, this is a common argument from anti-2A people, to be like, oh man, you think your rifle can take on the government? It can't. And it's like, okay, or, okay, let's, let's rewind here. So you're saying that the US military and everybody in it 
would be willing to drop bombs on Americans? Of course not. Of course they probably wouldn't, I thought. And then Joe Biden says this, and well, he does control the nuclear football. And so now I have questions, and now everything I thought has changed. <laughs> and now I suddenly do feel a need to have a nuke. I mean, let's look at it here. So, so you own rifles, right, to protect yourself against a tyrannical government. What's that mean? It means that if the government starts going crazy, crazy tyrannical, okay, You've got uh, uh, tons of Americans, I believe around over half of Americans own a firearm. There's more weapons than there are Americans too. And so you have your weapons, right? And you guys can ban up into a militia and take a stand against the federal government. That's the entire point. Now what he's saying is, is your stand wouldn't matter. So because you need these planes and you need these nukes to overcome our power, because that's what we're going to do to you. So you're going to stand there with your little rifles. You don't need those rifles. We're just going to nuke you. That's what we're going to do. We're going to nuke our own people. Because that's the only reason why your rifles wouldn't be useful. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be a ground war and your rifles would be very useful on taking on the government's tyrannical rules. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that hard to understand. It, but you hear all these people out there being like, he didn't say that. There's nobody said he didn't say he'd nuke Americans. There's no other way to interpret that. Either Americans need nukes to take on an F-15s to take on the U.S. government or they don't. If they do, it's because they need to match armaments that would be used against them by the U.S. government. If they don't, then what you're saying is, is that the, the military would stick to rifles and everything else that would somehow be in this conflict, and then the other Americans have their rifles, and, and that would be it. I find it funny, too. You, you have people that believe that an unarmed bunch of tourists... Because that's basically I mean, kind of what they were. I mean, we I've seen the videos where they were just kind of let into the Capitol. And, 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 and don't misunderstand here. Like, you can visit the Capitol. I don't know if you can visit right now, actually. I don't know if they actually stopped that from... Um, I think right now you're not allowed in the Capitol building still because of that. I don't know. I think there is still. But it used to be you could just walk right into the Capitol building. And you could just walk right into it and get a tour. Like, you know, you'd go through security check and things like that. So it's not that weird that they were just kind of walking around in there. But regardless, putting that to the side, there was not a person in the Capitol that had a weapon. So you want to sit there and say, you can't take on the government with your AR-15s. While you also then call a bunch of unarmed people walking into the Capitol an insurrection. Is it an insurrection or is it not? <laughs> they weren't carrying even rifles, but yet you say, hey, hey, you need, you need nukes and stuff to take us on when, you know, you're over here saying democracy's under attack because of a bunch of undarmed people. Something tells me you aren't exactly being truthful on the other side of this. Certainly, I don't think so. But then... They're not letting you in the Capitol right now. It can't go in the Capitol at all huh huh isn't that interesting what's that say anyway so so you know and then on the other side of things too 
Biden all the time says that this is nothing more than weapons of war, that these, these rifles and why we don't need them, they're just weapons of war to be used for mass destruction and yada, yada, yada. Was it a weapon of war or is it not? Apparently we need F-22s. Doesn't make any sense. But of course, what do you expect from a man who rambles and talks about deer and Kevlar vests? And he keeps saying that too. He keeps talking about deer. You don't need 50 rounds, 100 rounds. Deer aren't wearing Kevlar vests. And I'm over here like, why would I need 50 rounds to take on a Kevlar vest? Like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense either. I'm like, you don't know much about weapons, do you? Of course, he, what he, what he do? He was the one who told his wife to buy a shotgun, right? I mean, you know. I, I think so, yeah, an AR whatever. Cue up that video about him talking about the shotgun thing. I, I, I want people to understand what we're referencing there, where he's talking about his, his uh, buy a shotgun. Just buy a shotgun. If you just YouTube that, it'll pop up. Um, see, look at that. We're doing this on the fly. He, he gave me a panicked look. If we don't get it, then uh, I won't blame Nick. Anyway, so, you know, and either it's weapon of war, either it's not. But, of course, I wouldn't be taking weapon... Um, I wouldn't be taking the advice and expertise on, on firearms from an individual who advises his slight and small and petite wife to fire a double-barreled 12-gauge and let off both blasts at the same time, which is what he says in that video, because, you know, we all know how that would go, right? So, Okay. We all know how that would go. And so, of course, that's... <laughs> and so I'm not going to take weapon uh, advice from you, but a, on, on a person who clearly thinks you have 50 rounds to deal with deer in a Kevlar vest. No, you, you have 50 round mags because it's fun to shoot off 50 rounds, okay? That's purely it. And on top of that as well, the, the Second Amendment, the trying to re, re-change Second Amendment, and like it's not supposed to mean exactly what it's supposed to mean. The first thing the British did, what kicked off the entire, entire Revolutionary War was the England trying to take the rifles from Americans. But this is, this is what he had priorly, when he was vice president, had to say about guns. So it's clearly yourself, get a double barrel shotgun, have the shells of 12 gauge shotgun, and I promise you, as I told my wife, we live in an area that's wood and somewhat secluded. I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony here or walk out, put that double barrel shotgun and fire two blasts outside the house. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to, you don't need an AR 15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use, and in fact, you don't need 30 rounds to protect yourself. Buy a shotgun. As for objections that gun restrictions violate the Constitution, Biden says it's okay for the government to restrict some weapons. Otherwise, people uh, could go out there, buy their own military weapons, even tanks. Uh, does he know people can buy tanks? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to say that out loud, but you can buy a tank, by the way, if you can afford it. Um, but anyway, so Biden's buy a shotgun. Just buy a shotgun. You don't need 30 rounds to defend yourself. They're, they're harder to aim and harder to shoot. Actually, for a slight female like his wife, a 
AR-15 is easier to shoot than a shotgun. I, I'm just going to say that. It is much, much easier to shoot. And you, can, you, just, you can't trust a man that that's his, his defense. Go out to your balcony, just start shooting wildly in the air. And that's all you need for your home defense. So just start, what is this, the Wild West? You know, you walk in, just pow! Y'all settle down in here now. You know, they didn't need AR-15s in the West. All they did was they walked in and fired one round off in the air, and it just calmed everything. Oh, my goodness. That is an actual argument they use when they talk about police shootings. They could have just fired a round off in the air. We are dealing with people that think we live in the Wild West, apparently. <laughs> no, it just leaves the atmosphere, makes it all the way to space. Anyways, but, you know, I, apparently we're just in the wild, pow, 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 just shooting up in the air, letting blasts off, but you can't have 30 rounds. Wait until they find out you can get black powder pistols and rifles without a background check. Oh, joy. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I know, right? Black powder, the black powder loophole. <laughs> the black powder loophole. So um, moving on here, Kentucky ads uh a bunch of money to their pension liabilities um let's see here pension liabilities sorry guys i have a bunch of math on this that i had to bring up because you know it's important so basically they've added a bunch of pension liabilities okay and of course it's got to continue to be funded and everything else and and you know at the end of the day the entire pension system as far as the state goes is is a little bit of a it's, it's a little bit of fraud. So the pension payments are starting to swallow up more and more and more of what our tax dollars or general fund goes to. But not only that, let's talk about how screwed up the pension programs are, okay? So now this was in 2018. We spent $7.3 billion in payroll, okay? In payroll, all right? So $7.3 billion in payroll. Now, we spend 1.6 billion a year on pensions, okay? So real quick math on that. We, that means we are spending 21% of our payroll on pensions. Well guys, let's do some, let's do some math here, okay? If we take that payroll amount, and we privatized everything to a 401k. And we did a massive 10% match, which would be a, a massive amount for the government to give. That means you could have up to 20% of your payroll going in. And the government's matching 10%, you, you give 10%. Because remember, the teachers also have money coming out of their paychecks to pay for the pensions. So it's not like they're not, they're not paying money out now. So at a 10% match, it would cost $730 million a year, about half of the 1.3, I'm sorry, about half of the $1.6 billion, a little, a little less than half of what the $1.6 billion a year pension costs. Now, what would happen on that? So let's take a teacher. If a teacher worked for 30 years with a 10% match with an average rate of return of about 8%, which is accepted, and they made an average of 55K a year. In 30 years, that teacher would retire with $1.3 million in the bank. $1.3 million in the bank. 
They could then go ahead and live off 7 8%. Guaranteeing, well, not guaranteeing, but so they don't cut into that $1.3 million. And that would pay them $91,000 a year. So by privatizing and spending half as much money, the state could have their retired teachers after working for 30 years, so they're retiring at, you know, 55, 60, a good retirement age, could be retiring with $1.3 million in the bank, making $91,000 a year, which, oh, by the way, they then can hand off to their children when they die. We could be making every single teacher, government employee, what have you, that were for the state for 30 years a millionaire when they retire and spend half of what we're spending right now on a pension, on pension fees and funds. And these people aren't even getting $91 million or sorry, these people aren't even getting 91000 in benefits a year. Not to mention that, but by privatizing it, I believe you'd get back, and, and maybe you might know, Kara, you'd get back your Social Security and your Medicare and your Medicaid if you privatize your retirement versus, no one knows why, I just asked Kara that question, including Kara. Um, <laughs> I know why. Anyways, uh, she she used to work at uh, Kentucky Retirement Systems. So she used to be a benefits counselor for the state. That's why I asked her. Um, anyway, so they could be retiring with over a million in the bank, be able to pass it on to their kids. And we could be spending half of what we're spending now and be giving them a, a, a better retirement than what they have now. But the state screws it up. State screws it up. They get to keep that money too. I mean, think about this. If 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 the state was running this properly, they'd have 1.3 million per teacher that has ever passed because they don't hand down pensions to the kids. So of course, leave it to the state to just go ahead and screw it up. But you know, who what do what do I know, right? What do I know? Anyways, guys, that's what we have for the show. Please support us. Go to Broodco. Oh, Ikea. I'm sorry. I forgot about Ikea. Ikea's racist. You got that menu? Ikea for Juneteenth decided uh, in their attempt at wokeness has decided, they decided to roll out a menu. Um, this was the Ikea in Atlanta, and they rolled out this wonderful menu um, that included uh, fried chicken, uh, collard greens, watermelon, mac and cheese, and I and I'm not kidding you. I think they even had Kool Aid on the menu too to drink. Like every single racist stereotypical joke they had on that menu. And I'm like, I didn't need to go. And what's funny is it's in Atlanta. Coca-Cola's in Atlanta. You could have gone to one of Coca-Cola's how to be less white classes and 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 learned that you shouldn't be doing that. But of course they they attempt to celebrate Juneteenth with wokeness and here here's their here's their menu here. We've got fried chicken, watermelon, mac and cheese, potato salad, collard greens and candied yams. 
Stick to the Swedish meatballs, Ikea. Stick to the Swedish meatballs. What are you doing? I could have told you that was racist. I could have told you that. I don't even I don't even need to know how to put together Ikea's furniture to know that that's racist. <laughs> and you shouldn't have done that. But, you know, wokeness backfires. But there you go, guys. Go. That's what I have for you today. Please share this once again. If you want to support, go to broodco.com. You can listen to this podcast. Fresh Brood Politics. I thank you guys so much for joining us and have one wonderful, fantastic afternoon, evening. We'll see you back here on Monday.